This is gonna be the second half of uh, the interview with Dr. Ken Berry and more uh, or less the farmer Ken Berry version. And uh, it talks about a lot of how regenerative agriculture, the food system, the, uh, you know, the fragility of what we currently experience and so much more. Here's Dr. Ken Berry. Welcome to the Sewing Prosperity Podcast with host Logan Duvall. This father of four is an Arkansas successful small business owner whose world was turned upside down with the cancer diagnosis of his then five-year-old son. As Napoleon Hill famously stated, every adversity, every failure, every heartbreak carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. Come and join us on our journey to create a Blue Zone community with a focus on a holistic approach to anti-cancer, regenerative farming, and strengthening local economies. I want to shift gears a little bit because you have gotten into farming yourself and I absolutely love your OB farm channel and what you're doing. You had my buddy Will Harris on and yes. I just think that the food system is such a big, big deal. And uh, so I own a farmer's market in Little Rock. That's that's my day job. I sell, you know, tomatoes and meat on the side of the road yeah. and building out these nutrient dense food systems that are going to prevent, because I really feel like our best treatment for cancer is to prevent it. And 100%. if we can focus in on building out a resilient, localized food system, a lot of what we've talked about with the science comes to fruition. So why are you so passionate about the farming and the, the regenerative aspect and, and, you know, throw in what, like what Will's doing down at White Oak? Yeah, there's multiple reasons why I'm so in love with it. First of all, after a few years of talking about diet and nutrition, um, Nisha's grandfather went to heaven and she inherited this farm. And I said, it, it, that happened at about the same time that I was really starting to think, you know, I'm telling everybody what I believe to be the truth, but I'm not really living it because we're buying all our meat from Walmart and Kroger, and Sam's and Costco, right? That's not really, I don't know. It did feel incongruous. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. And so I said, you know, we should we should raise some livestock. And Nisha's like, 100%. Yes, get her done. Now, she's a big hunter. She's a huntress. She likes to bring home the turkey and the venison, which is fine with me. But I like my meat a little more predictable. I like my meat to be in the pasture with a fence around it. And so I thought, well, and so uh, her grandfather misfarmed. He didn't know better. But, you know, he monocropped and just grew the same stuff over and over and over. So the, there's maybe this much soil on the farm. And so I wanted to get cattle, but there's no way. The first time it rained, they'd be, you know, this deep in the mud. So I thought, well, I'll start with sheep, and I'll use them to build the soil, get get some grass going. And and it was mainly wooded, so I, I spend most of each and every day with my chainsaw, dragging brush and stacking, making brush piles, trying to turn it back into kind of a silvo pasture type thing. And I've got about 20 acres done so far and uh it's it's hard work i don't i don't have a gym membership i just go to the woods with my chainsaw that's my workout so i'm getting my workout i'm growing real food with and and the sheep there's no there's no antibiotics there's no steroids there's no they never eat grain i don't have to trim their hooves i don't have to dock their tails they're hair sheep they're not wool sheep i don't have to shear them they just eat grass and make meat that's what they do 
and make and make baby lambs for me. And so I'm, I rotate them. I, I'm doing rotational grazing in a silvo pasture setup. And I'm uh, hoping that this spring I'm going to have a flush of grass like we've never seen before. If not, I may cry because I've been working a lot this winter trying to get everything set up for that. Uh, but I, I feel like that it's part of my duty to not only teach the truth, but to live it. And so if I'm for sure going to feed my family and our friends' families with meat, right? And if it scales up to where it turns into a business, hot damn, that's fine. I'll be, I'll be happy to be the Will Smith, I mean, the Will Harris of uh, Tennessee. That'd be fine. But if it doesn't scale up, I'm happy feeding my family and my friends a proper human diet that was raised on the land properly, that enjoyed its life, that had a happy day every day, except for that last one minute of that one day. And then that was it, right? And so I'm, I want to be part of all solutions, not just the, the doctor solution and the nutrition solution, because I also want to really stimulate the local economy. Because I feel like getting into some politics here now, but I feel like that the, the big corporations and the, and the supply chain and the just-in-time delivery, <clears throat> I feel like that's not very resilient at all. Just a few bad things happen in a few places and the trucks stop running. But if you've got you on the side of the road in Arkansas selling, selling, selling meat and tomatoes and you've got me in Tennessee selling sheep and chicken eggs and quail eggs, and you got enough, and you got Will Harris over in Georgia selling everything. If you got enough guys like me and you and Will, then if the truck stop running, it's going to suck. But it, people are not going to die because the truck stopped running. There's not going to be all out rebellion and civil war because the truck stopped running because they can always come by your house and pick up some beef and some tomatoes and come by my house and pick up some chicken eggs and quail eggs and, and sheep meat. And we can barter and trade and whatever we need to do. But our, our little economy, our little community is going to be fine if the trucks stop running. We won't be happy because you won't be able to get your shit made out of plastic, right? But we're going to not starve to death. We're not going to be at each other's throats because we've got food. So that, uh, that localization, that decentralization is the exact opposite of the system that we, we have lived in. So yeah. I am in... Arkansas, right? I'm in Walmart world in Tyson land. And so yep. the corporations and the influence on them with even, you know, local legislation, we, we've got a major bottleneck here with meat processing. Um, and it's, it's eased up a little bit, but Dr. Barry, during COVID, I, I still had the farmer's market back then. And the supply chain, even on a local level, was a nightmare based yep. off of the backlog. So we ran out of meat at one point during, during COVID. And so why is that resiliency so important based off of sending all our money to corporations? Well, there's a, a wise old man that once said that if something can't continue forever, at some point it will stop. And I believe that the, that, that the, the, the cargo ships carrying 8,000 containers full of crap from China that, that the U.S. Navy continuing to, to, to police the oceans to make shipping like that safe, that, you can see we're pulling back from that. Everybody's pulling away from that. You can see what's going on in the, in the Red Sea right now, right? We're, we're not gonna, we're, we can't keep doing that. We can't be the world's police of the oceans. 
And so once a few of these big cargo ships get either hijacked or blown up and the insurance quadruples on one of those ships, guess what? Prices for that kind of crap is going to go through the roof or they'll just stop shipping it. Well, what are you going to do? Your Walmart, that's where 90% of the stuff from Walmart, it comes off a cargo ship. What are people going to do? That cannot continue. The big corporations, I think they already see the writing on the wall that there is, we're very close to a tipping point where everybody's turning away from the big pharmaceutical corporations, the big food corporations. I think everybody, especially after what happened over the last three or four years, we won't say any words that might get your channel in trouble. Everybody's sick and tired of the bullshit. We're all sick and tired of it. And so I'm not for going back and living in a cave. I'm not for, for regressing and, and living like the Amish did 500. I'm not for that. I'm for, I've got the latest iPhone. Okay. I've got the latest technology. I, I love a modern lifestyle. I, I plan on continuing to live that. But when it comes to the foods you eat, your body is ancient. Your DNA has not changed in a hundred thousand years. You're still the same animal that we were a hundred thousand years ago, genetically, number one. And number two, local food is always more dependable than food that's coming from China or from New Zealand or from Argentina or from wherever, because anywhere along that supply line, if there's one bottleneck, one traffic jam, one attack from Houthi rebels, that's it. It's, it's done. It's over. And it might not come back for weeks or months or years before that supply chain's back online. Right? So, you, you know, uh, people, unless you've got a lot of stored fat, you can't go without eating for two or three months, waiting for the, the cargo ships to stop, start bringing your, your, you know, your Smithville, whatever. you got to eat. And so I would much prefer like you said, during the during the, the the lockdowns, when the supply chain broke, we've seen that happened. Everybody noticed the empty shelves, right? Would you have ran out of meat if you'd had 20 or 30 local ranchers in all the counties surrounding you? This guy's got turkey. This guy's got chickens. This guy's got quail. This guy's got sheep. This guy's got cattle. This guy over here's got some buffalo. Damn, he's crazy. If, we had, if you had all that and then... The federal regulations were changed so that you could process locally and it not be a literal act of Congress that, that it's just okay. If you raise this meat, you can process it and you can sell it. It's fine, right? You wouldn't have even known that the, the truck stopped running back a few years ago because you just, just you would have just went down the road and said, hey, Joe, I need 100 pounds of, of ground beef or I need whatever. They're right there in the pasture waiting for you. And happy to sell you what they got, right? I want to know. I want to know the name of the farmer that raises my food. I want to know the name of the rancher who raised my meat. And in this case, it's going to be me, because we're going to do all of it here on the farm. We got enough acreage. Why not? Plus, it's good exercise. Uh, so I want to know who who raised my food. I don't trust food that comes from China. I'm sorry if, if people say, "Oh, that's racist." I don't know them. They don't know me. I don't know. I don't. Right. I love it. I want to know the guy. And, and so the kind of the common sense redneck in me, I want to be able to put my hands on the guy. If he winds up doing some some shady bullshit, I want to be able to look him in his eyes. Does that make sense? 
And I can't do that if it's some little corporation in China. I don't know who they are. I can't go find them if they hurt Beckett or they hurt Bonnie with some some contaminated shit they sold them. Right. I can't. I, who would I even do? I just I'm just a frustrated. I'll just become an alcoholic because I have no recourse. But if the guy down the road raised that chicken that caused Bonnie to get sick, I can go have a, have a chat with him in the southern way. You understand? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So. The one of the the silver linings from like the latest Netflix uh, plant based propaganda is that my barber yesterday was actually like, "Hey, I was going to ask you. I saw this on Netflix, and he started talking about the uh, you know the feed lots and how things are raised." and And I was like, "Brother, you've got eighty acres beside behind your house, right? You have cattle on it." We've got to start sourcing our meat from there. Uh, we yes. we talked to a, a processor, and uh, he was telling me that in like a pound of ground, there can be 500 plus different strands of DNA. So 500 different cattle in a pound of ground meat. Now, if if you were raising it, it would be one, right? If That's we're right. buying from our local farmer, yep. it's one, one or two. So yeah, one or I two. Think, yep. one, one, one or two. You know, maybe where. I see our farmers, especially especially the ones that are adapting the regenerative practices, is they are the frontline soldiers. They are the frontline health workers. They are the frontline pillars of our economy and society. Yes. How do you think we can bring, you know, the message with what we what's going on with carnivore? It's you know, it's skyrocketing popularity because it's working, I, I think. But how yes. do we get that those two groups together, these regenerative farmers or farmers? and the carnivore keto worlds? Well, that's that's my, my mission. That's that's one of my missions. That's why I, I, I've uh, had Will Harris on the on my uh, uh, farm channel. I've got plans to have multiple other guys. Uh, me and Justin Rhodes are good buddies. Uh, we've, we've chatted multiple times. It's my mission not only to preach the gospel of a proper human diet, but it's my mission to make it accessible for every human being on the planet. And in order to do that, people say, oh, there's not enough land. You'd have to cut down every forest. No, if you just stop monocropping canola up in Canada and soybean and corn here in the U.S., can you imagine how many millions of acres of grazable, beautiful pasture we would have? We could raise all the meat that we needed to feed America and many other countries. If we just stop wasting the soil, and when I say wasting the soil, I truly mean that from runoff and erosion, and you started rebuilding the soil by having grass on the, on the ground and then letting ruminant animals graze that grass and pee and poop on it and rotating them and rebuilding that soil. I mean, can you? I can't think of anything more resilient, more anti-fragile than that. Like literally, you, because we're going to be pulling away from being the world's policeman. That's inevitable. That's going to happen. So why not use all that wasted money Let's re let's rebuild the soil. Let's rejuvenate the soil. Let's bring back the m hundreds of millions of head of cattle and sheep <clears throat> to mimic the hundreds of millions of buffalo that used to roam all over this country. The the wild horses that used to roam on this country, the camels, all the all the ruminants that used to run around on the North American continent. Let's bring them all back in the form of sheep and cattle. And maybe a few bison too, because they're pretty cool to look at. Let's let's do that. Let's 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 solidify our culture around a meat-centric diet, the diet that made us humans, 
why not do that as a as a as a community, a small community, and then as a state, and then as a country? Why not say that's it? We're gonna we're gonna reinvest everything in the ground, in the, we're gonna turn all this worthless dirt back into soil. We're gonna turn all these fallow farms back into ranches where we rotate the cows and the sheep and we build soil. We're not, we're not wasting soil. We're not filling up the Mississippi Delta with runoff from all the farms. We're actually building soil again and keeping our rivers unmucked up by all the, the soil we're losing from improperly monocropping. Why not do that? How strong would we be as a nation if we just said, that's it, we're going to focus on building this, remaking this like it was when we first found it. Why not do that? I, that's that sounds important to me. That sounds like something that your great grandkids would be super proud of you if you were a part of the movement that did that. I love that, brother. That is prosperity. That is you know sowing prosperity. That is I, I I love that again. It goes back to the prevent cancer for for me. But all of this is so unbelievably tied together. Yes. And just it it's so exciting to see so many people are waking up to it and coming together. You, you know, you've named uh, a couple that are really just pioneers in their own lanes and their fields, and it's beautiful to see it really coming together. So what's What's next for you? Um, what I know that I think I heard you talk about there's a new book that you're trying to work on or get coming out. What's what's next for for you? So we I've currently got three books out. Lies My Doctor Told Me. Then also uh, me and my buddy Zane Griggs, who lives in Franklin, Tennessee, we wrote a book called Kicking Ass Over 50 because we're all both over 50. And we're not the fat, lazy guy that lays on the couch all day. And, and the, the, the premise of this book is, is you don't have to be that guy either. You're old enough now. You're, you're getting close to 50 or after 50. You've got enough knowledge and wisdom and, and life experience. You ought to be kicking ass, not laying on the couch, scratching your ass. So let's get you up and get you metabolically healthy. Let's get rid of the obesity and the type 2 diabetes and the hypertension and the erectile dysfunction. Let's get rid of all that. And let's let you be a real 50-something-year-old man and act like you should be acting. And then I wrote a book with my friend Kim Howerton called Common Sense Labs because when you're eating a proper human diet, you tend to want to check your labs and see how things are looking. Many doctors out there, <clears throat> they have no idea what a fasting insulin is or a C-peptide. And so Kim and I wrote this book so that there's a list in the book of what labs to ask your doctor for. And also why you want to ask for those labs. So when the doctor says, well, I wouldn't even know what to do with that. You can say, well, dummy, here's what, what you do with that. This is why this is important. Also, if he says, well, your insurance won't pay for that. We've got the ICD-10 codes in there that'll get it paid for by your insurance company. So it's called Common Sense Labs. They're all three on Amazon. And then I'm working on a book called The Proper Human Diet or In Search Of A Proper Human Diet, something like that. It's going to be a monster of a book. It's driving me crazy because there's so much information I'm trying to, I literally, it could be, it, it could be 2000 pages long, but obviously nobody wants a book 2000 pages long. So I'm trying to get it down to a manageable size with, but still staying true to all the research, all the, from all fields, not just modern nutrition. Right. But then also spending a ton of my, my time on the farm, because I think that that's important too. I think it's important that Beckett, as a young boy, he sees me out there doing doing the work that 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 our ancestors have done since we've been on this planet, shepherding the animals, 
uh, taking care of the land, improving the land. And again, there's there's tons of research in anthropology. Uh, people think, oh, this this you know wild fruit. No, nobody. No, that stuff's been crossbred and and that's been bred for thousands of years by humanity in the deepest part of the forest, in the deepest part of the jungle. Yeah, humans were there. They were they were picking the Swedish grapes and they were crossbreeding that with the other sweet. Yeah, we've been doing that for thousands of years. We've been we've been shepherding and farming this entire planet since we've been on it. But we got real lazy after what was called the Green Revolution, which really should have been called the fertilizer, artificial fertilizer revolution. When we learned how to make artificial fertilizer, then nobody cared about how you're going to get this cow shit on the field anymore. It's just like, I'll just go to the co-op and buy this fertilizer. Boom, problem solved. But the problem is when you grow food like that, it doesn't have nearly the minerals in it that it used to have. It doesn't have nearly the vitamins the polyphenols, the, the amino acids, the fatty acids, they're not in the food anymore. And that's why people are constantly hungry, especially if they're eating a high-carb diet, because they're hungry for nutrition, and there's no nutrition in the highly processed, high-carb crap that the big food manufacturers sell you. So you eat that for a few decades, you're constantly hungry, so you're eating three times a day with snacks in between. That leads to metabolic disease, and then big pharma is happy to come along and help you with a handful of very expensive pharmaceuticals. See how that works? And in my country boy opinion, that model is unsustainable. That model is very close to breaking. And when it does break, which I think it will, I want all of my neighbors to be ready with, with chickens in the coop and quail in the hutch and meat in the pasture right? And, and, and vegetables growing in the garden. I want everybody around me to have that because then we're not going to worry about when that system breaks because we're, we're fine. We ain't going to starve. We may not have the latest iPhone, but we're not going to starve. And so there's so many people, <laughs> once they start eating a proper human diet, they get on fire because it leads naturally to regenerative ag, regenerative ranching and farming. But so many people don't have the finances. They don't have 40 acres. And they're like, dude, I can't even afford a half acre where I live. All you guys, you got to read a book by Greg Judy. <clears throat> Look up Greg Judy. He's got a book, several books about how if you're currently broke as a joke, you, you don't got no land in, during, in the foreseeable future. You ain't going to have no land to speak of. You can just drive down the road 10 miles in each direction. And I guarantee you, you'll find a 20 acre farm. 40-acre farm, 100-acre farm that's just sitting there. Nobody's doing anything with it. You go and you talk to that little old couple or whoever owns it and say, look, I, I want to be a farmer. I want to be a rancher. I, I don't got no land. I can't afford land, but I've got enough money. I could lease this from you for, you know, if you're unless, unless you're trying to make a profit. I just want to put your farm to use. And, and, and then they can come to me because this spring we're going to have lambs for sale. And they can come buy a little a little ram and a couple of ewes, and then that they've got that little lease farm, 10 acres, 20 acres. Guess what they got now? They got a sheep ranch, right? And when that kind of stuff, when it. people start thinking outside the box, like I can't, I'm gonna have to save up for 20 years to buy a farm. No, no, you don't. Mm -mm. Think outside the box. You can have your a ranch without owning one square foot of land. But you got to use your head. You got to put your thinking cap on. You got to get up off the couch. Quit, quit scratching your butt. You got to put your thinking cap on and start figuring out how you're going to do this. Because there's people who are hungry for grass-fed, grass-finished beef and sheep. 
and goat for that matter. People are hungry for quail eggs and duck eggs and goose eggs and chicken eggs. They want it. They want it to be locally raised. But it's going to take you getting off your butt saying, okay, yeah, I'm broke, but I can lease five acres. I can afford that. I can save up for that. I can uh, I can save up enough money to buy three sheep from Dr. Barry. Boom, I got a sheep ranch. And then in a in a year or two, you do that right, you're gonna have you're gonna have you're gonna be making money. You're gonna be a successful rancher. And you get to charge more for grass-fed, grass-finished, no antibiotic, no hormone. Literally, they live a sheep life. They eat grass and make meat. <clears throat> You're going to make money on that. And so before long, like it used to be back in the old days, farmers and ranchers who do it right, they're going to wind up being the wealthiest guys in the county again. That's that. It's going to come back to that. When this false, fake system that we currently got starts to break down, the people who are acting right now, getting that land tied up, getting the lease on that land, buying some land, moving out of the city, and and putting some pat some 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 animals in the pasture. Those are the guys. They're going to be set up, and life's going to be nice for them. Plus, they're going to have the best food that. on the planet right there in the pasture. I don't I I, I don't mind having uh, meat in the freezer, but I like storing my meat in the pasture. It's a lot fresher that way. I love that. I love it. All right. I want to shift gears one more, one more time. Um, on the way to the the studio, I was listening to your uh, interview with, uh, I'm drawing a blank, the survival podcast. Uh, Jack Spearco. That, that was, there we go. It's so cool. And so I just started homeschooling my oldest two. So fourth and third grade this semester. And so it's definitely a learning experience. Why do you feel like, even from the anthropological uh, aspect, it is so important for our kids to be experiencing life and what we do, whether it's farm or running a farmer's market work and having that homeschool aspect? Well, I think for a, a few decades in the past, we could trust schools to teach kids. Plus, you know, Monster Minos, the, the truth and, and, and common sense and rational, rational thinking. But I think everybody who's paying any attention these days, they realize those days are over. You, you don't know, first of all, what they're teaching your kids at school. And I promise you, you probably don't want to know. Actually, you do. You really do want to know and need to know. And once you find out, you're going to do like Nisha and I. Beckett, is, he's four and a half. He's already graduated kindergarten. He's in first grade now. Yeah, Nisha's mom is a school teacher. When we moved back to the country, she retired. So now Beckett and Bonnie have a built-in school teacher. Now I realize not everybody has that, but there's a thousand different ways you can thread the homeschool needle. There's tons of groups of people who are, know that the, the public school system, even the private schools, the most exclusive private schools, they're teaching some sketchy, stupid shit to these poor kids. I mean, kids need to know where food comes from. They need to know one plus one is two unequivocally. Even if it hurts your feelings, it doesn't matter. One plus one is two. The end. I'm sorry. Grow up and get over it. That's, the, that's how you grow up to be a well-adjusted, successful, happy, healthy adult human is by learning lessons like that. It doesn't matter if something hurts your feelings. I'm, I don't know what to tell you. Life is what it is. You've got to grow up. That's what makes you into an adult, as opposed to some of the 20 and 30-somethings we see on social media crying because of some crazy little foolishness, right? That's not how adults act. 
I mean, people used to get married in their early teens, have kids in their late teens, running a farm in their early 20s. And I'm not saying their life was all roses and, and peaches. It, it was hard, but they were capable of that. Humans today are still capable of that, but we don't ask anything of them. And we, inst we fill their brain with all this stupid bullshit. I'm sorry, but there's nothing else really to call it that doesn't help them in any way to be helpful, to be successful, to be well-adjusted, to be good people, to be ethical and moral people, to be people that a neighbor can trust and depend on, to be a man that a woman can, can basically effectively risk her life trusting because that's what, that's what it winds up being, right? To be a woman that a man can be proud to be with. All that's, that shit's very important, but it seems like that everybody in the public school system has forgotten that all that stuff's important. They just, they just want to teach you that if somebody identifies as a kitten, you've got to call them by their kitten pronouns or whatever horseshit they're teaching now. People are sick of that. People are done with that, right? And so there's a huge movement back to homeschooling, which I 100% support. There's a huge movement back to the land. Let's, let's be farmers. Let's be ranchers. I fully support that. I still want to live in a modern society. I still want all the modern things. But if you don't have people that are grounded in one plus one is two, regardless of what that does to your feelings, that meat is food. Meat is the healthiest, most nutrient dense, uninflammatory food on the planet for human beings. The end. No discussion. A vegan diet is better than the standard American diet. It's less bad than the standard American diet, but it is not the proper human diet. But if you go vegan, it'll get you here to me eventually. Uh, and my videos are waiting for you on YouTube. Once you go, maybe I should put some meat back in my diet. Now me and you can be friends, okay? So all these things that, that if you're watching the mainstream media, you're just sitting back going, what is wrong with this world? And it's because we've gotten away from all these basic truths these maxims that have served humanity for millennia, millennia. And now all of a sudden they're trying to say, oh, you can be whatever you want. You can think whatever you want. You can feel however you want. And people got to, they have to change their life to be okay with your feelings. It's like, no, come on. That's not how the real world works. And so obviously that's, that's one of the many reasons why I believe this thing that we got going on in the world it's going to break at some point. It's going to stop working because it makes no sense. And things that cannot go on forever stop. And and that's going to happen at that. some point. Who knows when? But when it does stop, I'm going to have meat in the pasture and vegetables in the garden. And so are all my neighbors. And we're going to be taking care of each other. We know each other on a first name basis. Uh, we, we've got a homeschool group here in our tiny community. And so all the kids can get together and go on field trips, the homeschool kids. So that you don't have to, oh, they're going to be socially isolated. They'll grow up being weird. That's bullshit. That, you take your kids to church every Sunday and take your kids and let them hang out with the other homeschool kids. Boom. Social isolation solved. There you go. They're completely socialized. In fact, that's how humans have been socializing their children for, I don't know, thousands of years now. So it's not a new concept. So let's just go back to the old ways when it comes to the food you put in your mouth. And let's go back to the old ways when it comes to how you treat your neighbor and how you treat your land. 
that's going to solve a ton of problems. And then other than that, we can be as modern as we want to be. But you've got to eat a proper human diet and you've got to live a proper human life if you want to be 56 years old and, and, and running around like a 20-year-old with a brain like a 17-year-old. If you want that, you can't be laying on the couch eating Cheetos and drinking Pepsi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for all you do. Thank you for uh, taking the time to visit with me. You and Schindler come to Arkansas. Let, let me know. We'll, we'll find, we'll find some hogs uh, yes. to go up there and, and visit with Robert. But uh, seriously, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. You're definitely somebody that uh, I rely on to, to bounce, bounce things off of and, and stay kind of grounded and focused. So uh, have a wonderful day, my friend. And um, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Sewing Prosperity. Be sure to follow along across the social media platforms, including YouTube, and be sure to go to sewingprosperity.com.